Welcome to Happy to Be Here, a podcast where we talk to really interesting people about wellness habits, books, and so much more in hopes that it can help you be nicer to yourself and the stage of life you're in. This week, I'm talking to poet Emery Hall. I found Emery's book, Made of Rivers, a few months ago and was touched with how she writes about grief, womanhood, and motherhood. We dive into those topics and more in our conversation. My hope is that after listening, you'll leave feeling less alone and hopefully a little bit more understood. I'm Vivian. This is Happy to Be Here. And here's my conversation with Emery. I am very excited to be here on this episode of Happy to Be Here with Emery Hall, who I was just mentioning prior. No idea how I found your writing. And that's like the beautiful thing about the internet. But I'm really glad I did. And I was looking through the your book of poetry right before our call, kind of going through the pages that I had earmarked. And I jotted down or put post-it notes on two of the ones that I felt were probably really timely in guiding this conversation, but also just like timely in the way that my life is and all the things I brought up. So the first one, and then I'll have you introduce yourself, but I feel like also this is a pretty great introduction is the I have been a thousand different women poem. I don't, if you don't mind, I can read it or you can read it if you have it at the top of your head or in your book there too. But I just felt like it was such a beautiful way to start the conversation. I love it. I actually don't have a book copy with me, but I can get one. (laughs) Oh, you're totally fine. Would you prefer to read it or do you? You can totally read it. Yeah. I kind of want to hear it from your, it's so cool to hear other people read it. I feel like that's the beautiful part of being a writer is having those moments where you realize, oh, someone else reads the words that I came up with the one day I was at a coffee shop. But this one really sat with me because I think it's representative of so many of womanhood and like where we are as a whole collective, I think, particularly after the pandemic, particularly at the women listening at different stages of their life. Um, And it goes, make peace with all the women you once were, lay flowers at their feet, offer them incense and honey and forgiveness, honor them and give them your silence. Listen, bless them and let them be, for they are the bones of the temple you sit in now, for they are the rivers of wisdom leading you towards the sea. And that's, I have been a thousand different women by my Emory Hall. And I mean, let's start there because I think we we have both been a thousand different women. Yes. Like this week. So what inspired you to, for that poem specifically, the journey of life that you have been on? and are on right now to so perfectly encapsulate womanhood. Mm, Yeah, that poem has resonated with so many. And it's so interesting Mm -hmm. because you, when I put the book out, you know, I just had no idea where the poems were going to go and which poems were going to stick with people the most. And that one went viral on TikTok and Instagram um, back in August. And It was just amazing to see um, how resonant those words were with so many Mm -hmm. women and also just like people in general, male, female, however you identify. I think there's this universal um, kind of experience that we all have of living a thousand lives within this one life we have. And I think that's the beauty of getting older is that Mm -hmm. your life and the span of your life... um, allows for so much change to happen. And I think one of the difficult things that I had was like reconciling with 
versions of myself that I didn't necessarily love um, or parts of myself that I wasn't proud of when I was super lost and going through difficult times in my life. And Mm -hmm. I think that poem came through as more of a prayer, even for myself, to make peace with those people. And that has been a long journey for me. Um, And it hasn't been easy. And it's getting better as I get older. But just reconciling that, like, yeah, there are parts of in our lives where we're lost. um, And that's okay. And it's okay to have worn a hundred different masks and tried on different versions of yourself um, because it just gets you to where you are now. And I think in the closing of that poem, you know, they are the bones of the temple you sit in now. It's, it's, it's a prayer to not shun them or disregard them or erase them, but to honor the fact that they are what built the person you are now and the person you will become and are becoming. Um, we go through a thousand evolutions. It's a metamorphosis of being. It's not, you know, our, our being is not static. Our life is not static. Um, and yeah, I think so many, it was powerful for me to witness how many people resonated with that idea when it was just something that I wrote, um, because it was something I was struggling with myself. And isn't that the wonderful part of writing? Like totally get, you get to this point where you're just, you're putting things on paper that makes sense to the version of you that is sitting down to that piece of paper that day. Yeah. And that it happens to resonate for different people in different ways is so magical. And I think that you do a wonderful job at touching a lot on human emotion and the, that metamorphosis as it evolves. I think as you get older is a really good kind of umbrella for that because we go through different stages and different experiences simply by living our lives, right? And you touch a lot on just the nature of your own humanity, grief, motherhood, um, your own becoming. And you do it in such an honest way that I think is what allows people to feel like this magnetic pull that they're Mm. being spoken to in a way that they're being understood, because I do think it's it's really hard to be a person. It's really hard to be a woman. It's really hard to be a human yeah. in this world. And we're all just kind of trying our best. We all are. It's so hard. I, I have I bought the shirt recently on the back. It says being human is hard. So please be kind. And I can't tell you how many people have just come up to me and been like, yeah, it's really For hard. It really is. And so you've used writing a lot to navigate those seasons of hard, but also a celebration. The book is very filled with humanity. And I think that that's the breadth and range of the human experience. Can you tell me more about how it's helped you cope through those harder seasons and also hold the mirror up to yourself so that you can look at the past versions of who you were with less ick, to yeah. use a word that is very trendy. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of ick we feel towards the, like, the past versions of us when it's like, no, I don't have to feel ick for you. Like you were just a part of who I, I was and who I am now. Yeah. I mean, writing is just one of those great, greatly profound healing tools that I found in my life. Um, I found it as a young girl when I was going through a lot of loss and it's never really lost its... Um, power to mm-hmm. allow me to just process my own experience. It is a language that I, just because of who I am for however I was made, mm-hmm. that 
allows me to heal and process and understand and make peace with and question um, more than any other tool um, mm-hmm. that I found in my life. And um, when I'm sitting down and writing, it is just a process of holding up the mirror, the mirror of my heart, whatever you want to call it, because I'm actually writing for no one. I'm just writing for myself. Um, and that is, that was what, where Made of Rivers came from. Made of Rivers wasn't intentionally written for anything or anyone. It was just mm-hmm. my process in the postpartum period specifically of just rehashing and going up, um, going through a lot of the chapters of my life and finding this new expression in poetry, um, and using that as a way to really just go deeper. If you had to, which you can honestly tell me, there's no way. But I think that what poetry has always done as reading poetry is encapsulated a really big feeling in a really small size, right? Mm -hmm. It's still heavy and it's still full of all of the meaning, but it's a small, it's a a more compact way to express something that can always feel very huge. And I think with grief, you do a really good job at describing that as well as Mm. with the transition into motherhood and postpartum. If you had to kind of describe your own journey with grief and with the letting go of these or the embracing of these big moments in your life, whether it's postpartum or the loss of someone you've loved or you love, um, how would you describe that now? Mm. I think the word that I keep coming back to um, in this season is grief as metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something I've learned throughout my life, but really the process of writing and then releasing Made of Rivers, um, it really kind of nailed that down for me that a lot of like the grief that I spoke about in the beginning of the book of losing my sister was grief that eight-year-old Emery experienced, but that grief has never left. And I think that the modern world really misses something with grief in that it's like this finite experience of we're grieving and then we're done grieving. And what I've realized in my own journey is that grief never actually leaves us. And it's not that we're like, um, you know, damned with this death sentence of grief. It's that it stays with us and it metamorphosizes. It, yeah. it, it really shows up throughout our lives in so many different way and t- ways and takes on these different faces and roles and teachers, like, uh, like modes of teaching. And I've met the grief of losing my sister in like so many different experiences, so many different people and different words and different pieces of art. Um, and I think that when we can truly make peace with the fact that our grief is here to stay, but we can we can learn from it, we can make mm-hmm. art from it, we can sit with it. You know, it's, it's this ebb and flow. It has tides. Um, And I think once I realized that I didn't have to like heal myself out of it, Mm. but rather that I could just continue to learn to live with it and uh, meet it where it's meeting me, 
um, my whole life has changed. The pressure came off. I don't think we ever get out of it. I think we just, it, it changes as we do. It evolves as we do. Um, and that's really what, yeah, metamorphosis, it, it, that's the word grief is metamorphosis is just that line keeps repeating in my head, like a mantra these days. It's so interesting. I love what you just said. I love all of what you just said, but I particularly love that you didn't, you stopped feeling like you had to heal yourself out of it. And I think that that is something that will resonate with a lot of people, especially with the way that wellness and self-care culture is right now. There's this expectation that you heal yourself out of the things that are wounds or realities in your life so that one day you aren't riddled with them anymore. Mm. When I'm thinking reality, it's exactly like you're describing it. It's it's just an experience that walks with you and that it changes along with you changing, right? I think I turned 30 um, a little under a year ago and the way that I saw my mom's death, my mom passed away when I was 10, mm-hmm. was completely different, I think, as a 30-year-old than it was when I was like 15 or 16, right? Totally. There was this like, oh, wait, she passed when she was 44. I'm only a decade or so away from from that, I knew her the most when she was in her 30s. And that to me brought on a whole different definition of how that grief sits with me because suddenly her and I share something that I never thought we would share anymore, Mm. right? Like because we, we stopped physically knowing each other when I was 10 and she was 44. But suddenly I'm in this stage of life where I'm like, oh, wait, like a lot of the things that she was probably thinking about in her 30s are things that are sitting with me right now or will I have kids and how will motherhood sit with me if I do? And I just think it's so marvelous to feel like you don't have to heal yourself out of it, but it's like you're healing yourself into it more, mm. into a way where you can sit with all the realities and and not let it be heavy. And I think one of the other, I'm just out here like pulling out all of the post-it notes that <laughs> I love that, it that I can from this. But one of your other poems that really I felt resonated is titled Grief. And it's, um, This one is an especially short one, but so I'll read it quickly. Um, You can be in a sea of hurt and a sea of people at the same time. And I found that so heartbreaking and lovely. And I think that when, and I bring it up now because I think that when you are in a mindset of trying to heal yourself out of your experience or your moment, it's when you're in that sea of loneliness and grief and people the most. Hmm. Um, because it feels like you don't belong simply by nature of your humanity. But in reality, I feel like we're all kind of going through it. And the more that we can accept that, the less it feels like an othered situation. Totally. Yeah, it can be such an isolating experience. I just, I love what you said to go back to your mom and meeting, you know, meeting her differently now that you're in your 30s. That is like so profound. And I think that's what, I had the experience of when I became a mother mm. um, because my mother lost her first child and I understood in becoming a mother what my own mother had lost. Mm. And I couldn't know that until I had walked through the doorway of becoming a mother. Um, and your your story of being near 30s is just a parallel of that. And I think it's just so profound um, and just a testament to 
the grief that just continues to teach us and, and, and reveal itself in new ways. A hundred percent. I think that that grief, you said this too earlier, but it never changes. It never leaves you. You know, I've always said that since I was 10, the grief just became something that I learned to live with, right? It was very looming and large when I first, when anyone I think gets first introduced to it, but eventually it just becomes like, this really big teddy bear that you're like, yeah. it's just this reminder that like something happened and now you were here when you weren't here prior, but you don't always have to be a scary monster. Yeah, it's so true. And I, and I think like we, like you were saying and touching on, like, it can feel so isolating in moments. And I think to go to like the wellness and health and spiritual mm-hmm. culture that is just in the masses right now there's this idea that we can like be healed mm-hmm. and not grow old and, you know, walk through this world, like knowing the meaning of it. And we got the answers and um, it just does such a disservice because grief is universal. You can't walk through this world without it. You can't walk through this world unscathed by grief. And that's what modern you know, culture is missing. It's missing the fact that we are all in this together. And that's why I think sometimes when I'm in like big, when I wrote that poem, you can be in a sea of people. Sometimes I do that. I like, if I'm in a big crowd, I'll just like take a moment and be like, every single person around me has a story. Mm -hmm. Every single person I meet on the street is living some battle is going through something. And I think when we can walk through the world like that, our compassion just opens right up our understanding and it's getting so lost in today's world and on social media and this hyper perfectionist culture that is we're surrounded by and these perfectly curated Instagrams and whatever. It's just, it's so not real. And that's where the isolation just becomes exacerbated to a point where people feel suffocated and alone. You know, it's so interesting because the reality is to literally everything you're saying and then what you were mentioning prior around motherhood, like you only knew your version of motherhood in the context of your mom's experience having lost her first child. Um, What it brought up about grief and love, probably like not to, to speak on you, but like all the things that I read in the in your book um, and all of it in the context of who you've been up until that point, right? Like you can't leave any of that behind to experience this in a vacuum. And I think that that was also one of the loveliest parts of your writing was just like every single part of me comes to the new chapter, <laughs> mm. whether I want to or not. And so when you think about motherhood and how you've met it and the way that you wrote about it, for the book and maybe even where you are now, how would you describe that journey in the same similar way that we've just been talking about grief? I think I was, I mean, one of the most shocking parts for me of becoming a mother that no one prepared me for um, was how much grief is intertwined with motherhood. Mm. Um, I think, again, there's no, not a lot of people share about that. And then when I started talking about it of like, hey, I walked out of 
my birth experience with trauma. I walked into postpartum with postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD. Mm-hmm. And I had an enormous amount of grief of grieving my former life, mm-hmm. my body, my mental health, everything. And I think nobody like told me about that, that to expect that. And then I was in it and I started talking about it because I felt almost betrayed (laughs) by the world. I would imagine. And then how many people shared that they had gone through a similar thing. And I'm like, why are we not talking about this more? I talk about feeling isolated. I see all these posts. I I actually had to get off Instagram really early in my postpartum journey because I saw so many images of of. And people of of these mothers having this beautiful experience with their child. I've never loved anything Mm -hmm. more. Life is perfect. Oh, my God. And while that might have been true, it missed so, like, I didn't feel resonant with that at all. Mm -hmm. I was like, my body's falling apart. My mental health is falling apart. My life feels like it's falling apart. Mm -hmm. And I kind of stumbled my way through postpartum. And that's where the writing really came in was I was like, I am processing an intense amount of grief right now that I was completely unprepared for. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I, the only thing I knew to do was to turn to writing. And that's when Maida Rivers was born. I was six months postpartum and pouring my heart out because I think when I walked through the doorway of motherhood, mm-hmm. I I I felt my sister in a different way that I had passed. I felt my mother. I felt my life. I saw my parents differently. I saw the entire world in a whole new light. And with that came a lot of grief and a lot of deeper processing of experiences that had happened in my life. And I was just not prepared. People, you know, mm-hmm. they just like, you know, here's your baby and you leave the hospital after 24 hours and go on and live your life. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a lot to sit with here while also not sleeping and taking care and keeping a new human alive and myself alive. So I haven't experienced motherhood. I've never been pregnant. Um, But reading your book, I felt that level of like, um, of your feeling of false advertisement of the world. (laughs) Of being like, hey guys, this is not how the car was sold to me and suddenly here I am. And what am I, why am I suddenly a mechanic too? And I think that was so, uh, for me, I'm like such a, like love vulnerability, love honest conversations that I was like, this is lovely. Mm. This is awesome. This is a great way to describe the reality of what it's like to literally birth yourself and someone else into an entirely new chapter of your life um, in a way that did feel really transparent. So I think you did an amazing job at filling a gap that you saw was very present Mm -hmm. during your own experience. And so I'm thinking as you are, as you were writing the book, putting it out into the world and seeing it being digested by other people, what do you, what would you want to say to someone who is maybe where you were X amount of months or years ago Mm. with that expectation that motherhood is supposed to look like something that's wrapped in a bell when reality is just like a bunch of different pieces that you're trying to hold at the same time. Mm. I mean, I think I would just 
I want to hug that person that's going through that and just mm-hmm. say, you're not alone. And also you're not crazy. And mm. I felt a lot of shame for not enjoying those first months of motherhood when what I had been taught was that it was this kind of blissful period of falling in love with this being. Um, and I was really shameful um, that I wasn't feeling the feelings I thought I was supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I hit such a low point around six months postpartum or four months postpartum that um, I finally got a like a therapist that speci- specialized in postpartum. And that and changing the dose of my antidepressant <laughs> changed my life and saved me. I was like totally drowning and I felt like I was crazy and I felt like I can't, how am I not enjoying this? I feel so wrong. And when I talked to somebody who had that understanding of how complex the postpartum period is just on a biological level, hormonally, and then also on a life level and just logistical level, all of a sudden this weight came off my chest that was just bearing down on me of like, this is actually so normal. And so many women go through this. There's just not been, our culture has not allowed for those conversations to have enough room um, and enough space and a big enough mic. And I think I just, I just want to hug that person and just let them know that they are so not alone and it is so okay to feel that way. And that it does get better. It actually does. And you do come out of the, the, the interesting thing about postpartum depression that I learned is that it is unlike clinical depression, it's finite. It often, it can end once hormones kind of stabilize and you're out of the, you know, further away from the birth period and knowing that it would have an end, I think saved me. And isn't it wild the parallels that you just drew between this postpartum experience and the same way that you described grief where it's like whenever we're in the depths of emotion and feeling so vulnerable, so cheated by reality in a lot of ways um, and overwhelmed, we tend to believe that we are the ones who are wrong in the way that we are experiencing said experience or event. When in reality, it may just be that society is so wrong in the way that it is depicting it, that it doesn't make room for what reality actually looks like because reality is hard and it's layered and it involves so much. And you drew so beautiful parallels between like like literally how you were describing grief just a few minutes ago and this experience and knowing like, I think it's the connecting point is just how human it is. Mm. It's so true. I I think about back to the the girl, the young girl and the Mm -hmm. teen that was grieving and the thousand different women I've been before, the one that sits here today. And I was, when I look back on that period in my life and my angsty teens, when I was acting out, I was really just a grieving kid that had no tools and no space to express that my family was falling apart in the wake of my sister's passing and shit was happening all around me. And I had no idea how to cope. And so I acted out and I pushed boundaries and I tested the world around me and felt so much shame that I wasn't like everybody else in my class that wasn't wasn't necessarily reeling from a huge Mm -hmm. loss. And 
when I look back on her now, I'm just like, I have so much compassion for the, for the humanness that I was experiencing and felt shame about, you know, it's just, it's just so, it's such, it can be so isolating. And I wish everybody just had that, you know, bird's eye view of like how many people were actually walking that with me just silently and also not knowing how to express their own grief or what they were going through and, um, you know, working together to not carry so much shame. It's so wild how we end up in exactly the same place we started this conversation, which is we are a million different women. And our job, I think, as human beings is simply to learn to be okay with that. And I don't think that the world makes it an easy thing. I think it's why I resonated with your book so much because I like when I can reflect back to myself through other people's writings and experiences, the permission slip of just it being okay that your experience looks like whatever it looks like and you not being wrong for that. Um, And I think you've done a really amazing job at cultivating that community, the writing, the space for people to feel like I'm not wrong, I'm just me. And when you think about how you offer yourself compassion, I would love to start wrapping a conversation up there where how would you describe that journey even beyond how you, you're writing as a tool to cope? But just like, how do you offer that compassion to that teenage version of yourself you were or the very newborn mother you were X amount of time ago or all the different women you've been? Gosh, it's a journey. I mean, a lot of it, I would say, has been done in therapy and talk therapy. Um, I I think having a neutral voice and a safe space to reflect your kind of journey back to you, that's really, therapy really ignited that first spark of compassion mm-hmm. um, and gave me a way to kind of view my life and this series of events in my life through through a lens outside of myself. And when I was able to do that, I was like, oh my God, like I was suffering so mm-hmm. much. And that voice suddenly turned from like a voice of self-hatred to a voice of compassion. And all it took was just me kind of changing the lens that I was looking Um, at my life through. Um, And therapy has been a huge, huge help with that. Um, Time, honestly, time. The more time passes, the more I grow up and kind of gather life experiences and talk with people, meet people, travel the world. You're just your view of life and the world just expands, I think, mm-hmm. as you get older and gather more experiences. And that has really helped um, me feel less alone in my in my life and more compassionate towards the versions of myself that I didn't necessarily love. Um, and then I do just like a lot of self-care. I am like a huge advocate for taking care of oneself and whether it's baths or 
medication or therapy or walks or exercise or food, um, loving relationships, healthy boundaries. Um, I've cultivated a strong, healthy woman and mother today through that a lot of working and strengthening that self-care muscle. Um, it helps me show up in the world better and it helps me show up for myself better. And through that, I think I'm able to view life in general through a healthier kind of lens. Emory, it has been an absolute joy of a conversation. And I think that you, hopefully anyone listening, also feels very resonant with your experience, but also your writing and they go pick up your book. Like I said, it's Made of Rivers by Emory Hall. Um, I will be plugging this endlessly and I think I have been already even before <laughs> having you on. Where can people find you on the internet and what they sh- what should they know about your, your book and your writing? Hmm. Well, on Instagram, I'm Emory Hall. Um, my website is emeryhall.com. My TikTok is Emory Hall Poet. Um, and Made of Rivers is available everywhere online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. And on November 3rd, my husband and I are releasing a Made of Rivers EP. Um, oh my gosh, which, that's amazing. Yeah. So we took eight poems from the book, including I've Been a Thousand Different Women, which actually comes out this Friday. And I spoke the poetry and my husband, who's a professional musician, composed music behind the words. Oh my gosh, that's so lovely. Yeah. So that comes out on November 3rd and it'll be available on Spotify and all streaming platforms and then as well as vinyl later on. So I think it's just going to be another way for people to experience the words for those of us that love to have our headphones on and kind Mm -hmm. of dive deep in that way. Um, That's coming. So I'm so excited. That's amazing. I'll make sure to include all of this in the show notes. And thank you, Emery. This has yeah. been just a lovely conversation. Thank you so much. I'm adding all of Emery's links and social handles to her show notes. On our end, don't forget to rate, review, or share. Happy to be here with a friend if you can. It's how we can continue to grow our community. See you next week.